we're going to continue in our series uh, that we've called Rooted. And the, the idea uh, of this series <clears throat> is to talk about what is it that our life, our heart, our soul is rooted in. And what, what is it in our life that, that when troubles come, when storms come, when trials come, when life happens, that, that creates a, a root system in our lives that, that we can withstand uh, all that life throws at us. And, and so we want to deepen our connection with Christ, his church, and what our purpose is in his story that he's writing in, in history. And so we've talked about... Um, some interesting things. We talked about the birth of the church and that they were that, that the early church was continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fel- to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, we've talked about suffering. Uh, we've we've talked about the the fact that evil does exist. Uh, we've talked about serving and community and caring for for one another. And and, and this Sunday, <coughs> we're going to talk about <coughs> money and. What? We're going to talk about money. And I'm going to give you a tip-off right at the very beginning. There there are three parts of this uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, The first is how money blinds us. The second is how money reveals what controls us. And the third is how to break the power of money over us. And we're going to do that from just looking at the scripture together this morning. And we're going to consider those three things. So if you love outlines, you can just put how money blinds us at the top. We're going to work from there. And then I'll, I'll give you a heads up when we go to the next uh, couple of points. But first, before we do that, I want to remind us that Jesus said uh, that you cannot love and serve both God and money, that you're going to serve somebody, you're going to serve something. And, and so the question that we're going to ask this morning, part of it is, who, who do we serve? What do we serve? Uh, we're going to look at it from the Gospel of Matthew. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a really important passage of Scripture, uh, actually, in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, because it's Jesus teaching uh, about what he wants his church to look like, how, what he, how he wants us to live. And so let's just read Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so the first part of this is how money blinds us. And we're going to make a sandwich this morning. We're going to start in the middle of this passage, uh, this part that says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then 
the light is in uh, the light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? It's sort of interesting because if you look at this passage, you see on the top part that we that he talks about Jesus talks about money. He talks about what we have, and on the bottom part he talks about money again. But then slid in between those two things, he he talks about the eye and he talks about light and, and darkness. And the reason that that he does this is he wants us to get a picture uh, of our lives. And what he's saying is that if, you're, <clears throat> if you walk into a room and the room is filled with light, then you know how to navigate around the room. You know how to keep from tripping over rugs and chairs and coffee tables and all of those things. But if you walk into that same room and it's completely dark, you have no idea what to do. You're just going to walk until you bump into something uh, or stumble over something, and, and it's confusing and it's intimidating and sometimes frightening because you're completely in the dark. And, and that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, that if, if money, if something else replaces God in your life, it's like walking in the dark. You don't know where you're going. It, it doesn't give you light uh, to see your life. Money blinds us. And, and there are a couple of ways that money blinds us. Money blinds us to its influence. You know, most of the sin in our lives, um, you know, if, if you talk about lust, uh, you, you pretty much know when that's going on. If you talk about uh, lying, you pretty much know, you know, when you're lying. But there's something about money that's so deceptive. There's something about money that deceives us uh, that, you know, when you think that we, we use words and the Bible uses words like uh, greed. Uh, the Bible uses a, a word like uh, covetousness or avarice. And, uh, the, I, and most of us would look at those kinds of words and think, well, that's not really me. You know, that's Ebenezer Scrooge. I would have paid Bob Cratchit a lot more money than he did. I'm, I'm not greedy. A and yet, when, then when we really look at our lives and we consider, you know, what money does to us, sometimes it really changes our mind. And here's what I, I'm going to repeat this a couple of times this morning because part of the theme is that if you want to know where your treasure is, follow the money. Follow the money in your life. Money blinds us to its influence. It hides itself. It has the power to blind us to, to our, our lifestyle choices. Here's something. Most of us here this morning don't feel rich, right? You're with me. You guys are all going, amen. I don't feel rich. But compared to the rest of the world, we are just crazy rich. Compared to the rest of, of the world out there, we have so much that, that any of us would be considered rich compared to the poverty, compared to the need that's out in the world. But when we live here, we don't feel rich. We, we, feel, um, we feel poor. We feel like we, we don't have enough and, and that there's a blindness that happens because we, we don't feel rich, but yet if we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we have a lot. Deuteronomy 8.17 says this, Beware lest you say in your heart, 
my power and might of um, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And you forget the Lord your God, and you go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish, like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord and your God. And here's what he says to us. He's, he's saying that, that something, that one of the ways that we get blind is that we think we created that wealth. We created what we have. And, and, and you know, a friend, Tim Kimmel, loves to talk about younger generation. And he says that, that the younger generation today, uh, they, they were born on third base and think they hit a triple. You get that? Well, that's true for a lot of us. And again, when we look at our lives, sometimes we feel like, boy, we don't have enough. Sometimes we feel like we need more. And yet w there are folks in the world who, who need so much more, who have so much less. And that's why in Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, take care, watch out, watch out for greed. Um, you know, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, watch out for adultery. Because we pretty much get that when we commit that. He, he, he doesn't say watch out for lying, but he says watch out for greed because it's so easy for us to miss. It has the power to blind us to our life choices. There's an author, uh, she used to be a Yale professor named Judith Shore, and she says this, that what we want grows into what we need. What we want grows into what we need. She, she points out something really interesting. She said that, you know, we no longer live in a culture of Downton Abbey where there's the, uh, the aristocratic families and, and then there's the, you know, the upstairs families and then the downstairs family. There's the, the aristocrats and then there's the common people, the villagers, uh, and, and everything was really clear. You, you knew who they were. But she said that, that how the culture has changed now is that we don't have those classes by family and birth and privilege, but we have those classes by what we can accumulate, by what we can get, by what we can have. And, and so we might not think, or we, we might be blind to the idea that we still have all of those separations and all of those things, but it's changed today because it's been built around what we can accumulate and, and what we have. So money can blind us. Money can deceive us. Money kind of sneaks up on us. Well, then money also reveals what really controls us. Money will give us a map of our souls. And, and the way that we can look at the map of our souls is, again, to follow the money. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or at the end of verse 24, he says this, you cannot serve God and money. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that money, if money becomes our treasure, money um, can become a rival God in our lives. Money can become something that replaces God in our lives, a rival master. So if you really want to know what your heart serves, if you want to know your real source of your self-image, where your real joy comes in your life, then follow the money and see where it takes you. And begin to see, where does money control my life? You know, and this happens at all levels. Uh, it happens in 
all kinds of ways. You know, some people buy cars and houses, all this stuff. Here, here's just a little personal disclosure. Mine is books. I just, for my whole, you know, whole adult life, I've just bought too many books. Now, I've managed now to buy most of my books electronically, so it's not as embarrassing, right? You know, I mean, I stopped stacking my shelves and my floor with books, and now I just have them, you know, uh, on my Kindle and iPad and all that. Um, but I, I buy books, and, but here's, here's, if you follow the money, then here's what I learned about myself, is, is that I just need to know things. And, and, and really it's not really just a need to know things, but sometimes I feel like I need to present myself like I know things. I need to be the guy that knows things. A and so I buy books, and if I d find I don't know something, I get a book, and I learn about it, and I read about it, and I get obsessive about it until I feel like, okay, I know that thing, and now w what else d do people expect me to know? And I'll buy books for that, and all of a sudden, you got these walls filled with books, and, 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 but it's money is driving all of that that I just keep buying those books, but it tells me, it takes me to a place where uh, my soul is and um, reminds me of how easily that can control me. And, uh, you, you know, in, in just fairness, um, you all have things like that in your life too, right? We, we all carry things like that. And so if you want a map to your soul, you follow the money, you see where your priorities are, you see uh, what uh, has power in your life, you, if what you learn about your heart, your life, your security, if you follow the money, it may tell you where your security is. It may tell you where your joy comes from, what you really value. And what you may find out is that you've let other things take the place of God in your life. Other things become rival gods in your life. And so the third part of this is how to break the power of money over us. And Jesus is actually really specific about this in the passage. Here's what he says, beginning in Matthew 6, verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. The, the first thing that we need to realize, the, the first thing that Jesus is saying to us is that we need to realize where we're tre our treasure is. He, he said, where your tr treasure is, there your heart is also. And, and so the very first question is then, what do I treasure? Where, where is my treasure this morning? The, the literal Greek uh, to that is, do not, tr uh, do not treasure treasures on earth. Do not treasure treasures on earth. That's to say that when it comes to earthly things, don't treasure them because moths and rust and thieves can get to them. Uh, now, it's interesting. Think about what, what is it that moths get to? Clothing. You know, isn't that interesting that Jesus would point that one out? You know, what, what's interesting about that is in the first century, the, the really rich clothes were probably comparatively even more expensive for, to them, for them than they are today. 
that to get the rich dyes and to get the kind of clothes that, that you would want that would really set you apart, that would show that you're wealthy, show that you're one of the, the elite was so expensive because they were so hard to come by and so hard to manufacture um, that it really set people apart. And so you were known by what you wear. And, and, and that caused, uh, you know, a, a great storyteller uh, one time to write a story about the king's new clothes um, because there was so much value put on the color and the texture and the kind of clothes. And j- what Jesus said about those things is they just eventually get eaten by moths. They don't last. Uh, they don't hold up. And, and then he talked about uh, things that rust. I don't know, think of a few of those things. What are the things in your life that that we can treasure that will just eventually rust, that will eventually decay, that will will eventually be worthless? And Jesus says, begin to identify those things uh, in your life. Begin to to take an inventory of what those things are. What are those things in your life that compete with God's uh, place uh, in your heart? and in your mind, and identify those things. And then he said, then relocate them. Put them in their proper place. Uh, The most important part then here is how we relocate our treasures. And here's what Jesus said. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he's saying, again, he's not saying don't own a home, don't have things. He's not saying that. What he's saying is that know what you treasure and and put the highest priority, treasure those things that have eternal value, treasure those things that will never um, that, that will never be eaten by moths, that will never rust. What are those things in our lives that we most treasure? And I want to give you a clue this morning. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2, 3, we're talking about Jesus. He says, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Apostle Paul begins to give us an idea that what we really treasure isn't what we treasure, but it's who we treasure and to treasure Jesus. He goes on to say in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. He's challenging us then. He's saying, identify those things that compete with God in our lives. Follow the money to look at who we really are, what we really believe, what we really treasure, the condition of our heart. And then he says, once you identify those things, now you relocate them and you'll understand that what we're really called to treasure, what we really need and who we really need to treasure is Jesus there was a man uh, uh, who um, was not a believer, but uh, the late David Foster Wallace was a writer, and he gave a speech at a college commencement one time, and listen to what he says. He says, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. 
worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is that they're not evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day, getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you're doing. That just sort of creeps in on us. It sort of catches up with us. When we are not paying attention, when we're not conscious of who Christ is in our lives, we're not conscious of the the challenge there. Uh, It can overtake us. It can get to us without us even being aware. There's one more thing that he said. He says, on one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified as myths, proverbs, cliches, epigrams, parables, and the skeleton of every great story. The whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. The truth is keeping it up front in daily consciousness. Now that's how he put it. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Let me tell you how Jesus would put it. Jesus would say, unless you have me, you're not really rich because I am the only currency that will never be devalued. Unless you have me, you'll never really... You're not really rich because I'm the only currency that will never be devalued. And if you don't have me, you will never be successful because I am the only status you can never lose. So he says, relocate your treasure. To treasure Christ, to treasure Christ above all else, we need to know treasure Christ above all else, we need to understand why he came. We need to understand, we need to know why he came to earth. Remember what Jesus gave up. Think about this just for a second. That, that Jesus, who was in the very form of God, the very essence with God, Philippians tells us, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He became a servant. He came in the form of a person. He gave up the glory of heaven. He gave up all those rights and privileges. He he was born into poverty. When Jesus was circumcised, Mary and Joseph went to the temple and they offered two doves. Those were the gifts that a poor person that only could afford doves. Those are the gifts that a poor person would bring as a sacrifice for their newborn when Jesus lived, the scripture says that he had no place to lay his head. He had no home. He only had one garment that he owned. And when he died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And why did Jesus do that? Because he treasured you so much. He treasured me so much that he gave all of that up because we were his treasure. He valued us so much that he gave up all of that, all of that glory, all of that majesty, all of the grandeur. He gave that up for us. 
And it's when we begin to understand how much Jesus treasures us that we can begin to treasure him. When we begin to understand he left everything behind for us, and when we see Jesus making you his treasure, you'll want to treasure him. That will make him your treasure. That's the goal this morning. The goal is to relocate what's the treasure in our lives, to take those things that really don't matter and to put them in their proper place and to understand that what's really worth treasuring in our lives, who is really worth treasuring in our lives, is Jesus. And when we begin to grasp what Christ did for us, we begin to understand how much he treasures us. Then we begin to treasure him. And it's only then, when we make him our treasure, then we'll be free, and then money becomes just money. Just money in our lives. So we follow the money, and we want to put Jesus in his proper place. How do we do that? You know, some of the terms that you hear in church, um, you hear about tithing, and it's, it's uh, literally just means a tenth, um, and, and it was the idea of giving first fruits. In fact, Proverbs uh, 3, 9, and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Uh, that, that we're reminded that when we give, we, we support the church, the Hope House, other ministries, the poor, when we, when we support those things that what we're saying is, Lord, you get first fruits because you're my greatest treasure and how do I serve you with what you've given me? When, we, when we're frustrated by that, when, when we hold on to what we have, then the real question is, what do we really treasure? Where is our real treasure? Put it to the test. You, you know, the hardest part in tithing or giving isn't moving from one place to, say, adding one more percent. The hardest part in tithing is going from zero to anything, zero to something, and, and giving to the Lord and to recognize that it all belongs to him. I, I learned most of this um, stuff from Jenna, from my wife Jenna, uh, over the years. And when, when, we've, when we got engaged, I was just starting out in ministry, um, and I had no money. I mean, no, no money. Just graduated from college, getting ready for seminary. I had no money, but I was just head over heels in love. And I needed this engagement ring, and I bought the cheapest, <laughs> pathetic engagement ring you've ever seen in your life. I mean, this, it was, you know, you'd sort of need a magnify. Yeah, I think there's a diamond in there somewhere kind of deal. And I bought this for, and, and then started about our fifth anniversary, 10th, oh, I, I tried to upgrade her, you know? I tried to get her to let me replace it. And she would always say to me, no, this is the ring I got engaged with. This is my engagement ring. I'm wearing this ring. And she wouldn't let me replace it uh, because it didn't matter how much it cost to her. 
That just wasn't even an issue. It didn't matter how big or how little the diamond was. That had no bearing on it whatsoever. That was the ring that I gave her when we got engaged, when we said we're going to commit our lives to each other, that we're going to get married, and that was the ring she wanted, period. And I was really mixed up because I, I sort of thought, well, no, the thing I need to do is get her a bigger, better ring, a more impressive ring, just to show her how much I love her. And she said, this is the ring that I want. And she wore that ring for almost 30 years until the prongs were all falling off. And, you know, and it was just so bad that I actually just, she had it put in a drawer because she couldn't wear it because it didn't, you know, the diamond didn't stay on it anymore. And I just went out and got her a replacement for a slightly better ring. But she showed me what really mattered. She showed me where her treasure was. And that's the real question this morning. The, the, maybe we could put it a couple of different ways. What's precious to you this morning? Who's precious to you this morning? And if you're not sure, follow the money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, this really isn't about money this morning. This is about Jesus. This is about his place, his role in our hearts and our lives. Money just tells us, money is just this big piece of what we believe and and how we live and and, and what can kind of catch us up and make us forget. But this isn't really about money. This is about Christ. It's about Christ in you. And so what, what is precious to you this morning? If you were to follow the money in your life, what would it tell you about the condition of your soul this morning? And our goal, our prayer, our hope is that we will treasure Jesus above all else in our lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for how you speak to us, Lord, and the truth of your scripture. And and Lord, this might be really frustrating, might be really hard for some, Lord, or might be really convicting for some. I pray that, that somehow, Lord, all of us will react to this All of us will be confronted by what we treasure and who we treasure and what really matters in our lives and the fact that we have no greater treasure than you and we know that because you treasure us first, Lord. And we are grateful. We are thankful. We give you praise, Lord. We ask all these things in your holy, precious name. Amen.